We are looking at the man Christ Jesus is going to build up on this series. We missed the last two Sundays because of the missions conference and Dr. Smith this week before. But uh, up until Easter and then Easter, the resurrection. But the cross takes us there. You've got to get them in the grave before you can get them out of the grave. And so that's uh, why we're doing this series this year that way. All right, uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message. Father, I pray that thy spirit would just move in hearts across this auditorium. And again, if there's one who is here today who does not know that they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, last time <clears throat> we were in this uh, series uh, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago now, uh, we covered uh, Jesus Christ was fully human. He had a human spirit. He had a human soul. He had a human body. His soul could have the feelings that you and I would have as far as uh, insult. We think of uh, being at the tomb of Lazarus, and he weeps. And then his body, of course, would feel as bad as our body would feel under the same conditions. And so he had all of that. He knew what it was to be hated, to be rejected. He knew what it was to have a message, and yet so many not like the message. He knew all of that. He was fully human, yet he was fully God as well. God come in the flesh. We told about when the Spirit of the Lord came upon Mary. When Mary said, how shall this thing be? And the angel told her, the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon thee. And that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so, that happened. We took in the Hebrews and some other passages of scriptures and showed you how through that entire pregnancy, that nine months after the Holy Spirit came upon her, God the Father himself formed the body as any human body would form over a nine-month period. But she was formed, or the, spirit, the body of Christ was formed by the Father inside of her that whole time. The whole time. Never left it. The Father took over the uh, thing at that moment. From that point, the Holy Spirit delivered, uh, the, came upon Mary in the Spirit of God, coming inside her soul and spirit. And what they call the virgin birth would become the true virgin birth. There were no sexual things involved there, by the way. Now, she did. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 very clearly. She knew him not until after the birth of Jesus Christ. Then she knew her husband, but not till then. And she had children after Jesus Christ. So, so we know that simply by the Word of God, and, and so the Word of God instructs us on those things. Uh, now, there are some things, though, about Mary that... Perhaps we miss. For an example, after this happens, a moment happens to her, she knows that she's with child. The very moment she knows that she's with child. Uh, 
I find it interesting that she immediately heads out to Elizabeth, her cousin's house. She's older. She wants to get instruction from her. Uh, and by the way, doesn't that tell you something about abortion? The very moment Christ was conceived within Mary, he was a living soul. Wow. Therefore, to have had him aborted would have been murder, just like it is today. You say, well, Pastor, you don't have a right to say that. Uh, God says it, but I do have a right to say what God says. Okay? So that's, that is God's word. That is God's way. So Mary goes off to her cousin Elizabeth. When she gets there, when she enters the door, Elizabeth is six months pregnant with the baby that she's carrying, which will be the John the Baptist, this forerunner of Christ coming. And the baby turns in Elizabeth's stomach in rejoicing of having the presence of Jesus Christ there inside the Mother Mary, just days, just days conceived, the conception started. And Elizabeth, she says all these wonderful things, and then in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, we see Mary begins to speak, and it says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit, and pay attention to this, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. First church I pastored, we had a marquee out front. Now it wasn't a digital thing. You had to get a ladder out of a utility room and then come back out there and, and change the sign. If you're going to change the sign, put a new message up there. Usually I would do that on Tuesday. I'd go out there and put up a new message. It was around Christmas time, and so I thought, well, I'd give a good Christmas me uh, message with a salvation twist in it. And so I put it on the sign. As Virgin Mary did, confess your sins to God. Usually I'd leave it up there, and then the following Tuesday, take a sign down, put another sign up. The following Tuesday morning, I'd come in. I was going to, I was going to change it. And I got a telephone call. In Cantonment, Florida, there was not only our Baptist church, but there was a Catholic church. And the priest said, uh, we find your sign offensive. We should take it, you should take it down. I said, what do you mean it's offensive? Well, you said Virgin Mary confessed her sins to God. She had no sin. I said, well, would you believe it if it was in the Bible? He said, okay, if you can show it to me in the Bible, yeah. I said, all right, turn to Leviticus chapter 12. He said, well, wait a minute. What kind of Bible are you using? I said, King James Bible. He said, well, let me go find one. Over five minutes later, he got back to the phone. He says, okay, I've got it, Leviticus 12, right, right, okay. 
First eight verses, as a matter of fact, there's only eight verses in the chapter, talk about a lady bearing a son. And on the day when she'd go, she'd make an offering after her period of, of time of after the birth of the baby. And, and she'd make a burn off. So take a lamb, but unless you're poor, then you take two turtle doves or two pigeons, two, two of those you'd take with you, one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering. I had pointed out to him over in Luke chapter 2 how she went to the temple and brought the two turtle doves because she did not have uh, the wherewithal. She's a poor lady and could not provide a lamb. I says, now, I said, sir, she did a sin offering. One thing about Jesus Christ, he never offered a sin offering for himself, but he did become a sin offering for us. My sin was upon him, just like the putting of your ha hands on the lamb back in that day would be showing, placing my sin upon that lamb, the punishment as that lamb would be offered. Jesus became the sin offering for us. And we spiritually through publicly calling upon the Lord to save our soul, putting our hands upon his very spirit, his very body, his very person, should I say. To say, I am a sinner, I deserve to go to hell. He paid the penalty for me. Offered in my behalf. So Jesus became a sin offering, but he never sinned, and he never offered a sin offering. I said, so if Mary offered an offering, she was saying she's a sinner. He said, no, she's just being obedient to the Lord. Because you're supposed to do that. I said, so really, the Lord led her to lie to say that she had sinned to offer a sin offering. Well, just take it down because we're offended. Now, I did not say this, but the next thing I should have said, well, I did say one thing. I said, well, that's a schedule to come down on Tuesday, and it'll come down next Tuesday. I was getting ready to take it down that day. I was right. I didn't lie to him. It comes down on Tuesday. I just didn't tell him which Tuesday. So I said it'd be next week on Tuesday. But what I wished I would have said, I'll take that sign down today, if you will stop preaching the fallacy that Mary was deity. I didn't say that. I wished I had it because then that would have been a, another thing for him to say. I can't do that. Then quit offending us. You're offended by what our sign. We're offended by your false doctrine. Okay. So again, I'm just saying that when there is a difference between any church any religion, any denomination, and the Bible, the Word of God, the Bible of uh, the Word of God, the Word of God is always, always, always right. And any difference with that is wrong. We didn't write it, God did. Holy men of old spake as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is, they spake. And those words became the word of God. And so all scriptures by inspiration, God breathed every word he breathed out to those that would write them down. A lot of times we say Paul said, Peter said, this one said, Moses said. And even in the Bible says in Moses, but he's identifying it as the book that people would recognize. But really, those were God's words. 
when, when the Apostle Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. They're not his words, they're God's words. He just wrote them down. Every word is God-breathed, what the word inspiration means. And so that's what happened. Now, having laid that foundation, okay, so Mary has just said, God my Savior. She admits she needed a Savior and that she was a sinner. Same thing everybody has to do if they're going to go to heaven. Secondly, verse 48, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, henceforth, now up to that point, nobody. She was poor. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. From henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. He said, well, we're Baptists. We don't call, she was blessed. If you're Baptist, you ought to be calling her blessed. She's not God, but she is blessed of God. I'm thankful as a Christian, as a Bible believer, but also as a Baptist, that God found someone that he could trust to carry Jesus, his only begotten son. And so, she's blessed of God. And he goes on to say in verse 49, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, fulfilling the prophecy in Micah, a virgin shall conceive. Holy is his name. Our God is holy. Jesus is holy. Jesus, as we said, never sinned, but he did become the sin offering. And because he never sinned, he was a perfect sin offering, meeting the requirement that we had. And in verse 50 he says, And his mercy is on them that fear him. From generation to generation. Mary's telling us a couple things there. First of all, in verse 47, she calls God her Savior. Again, Mary needed a Savior. Now, she is blessed. She was chosen of God to bear the baby Jesus. So, she is blessed. But if she needed to say, I need a Savior, every person walking on the face of this earth needs a Savior. No one is, uh, is going to make it on their own good works. Everyone needs a Savior. The second thing, though, you see there in verse 50, it shows us the mercy for her. Again, she says, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Mercy. To have mercy on somebody says they didn't really deserve it, but I'll have mercy. We don't, there's not one of us 
in this auditorium or listening by radio or, or watching this on the internet today, there is not one person that deserved the mercy of God. But we got it. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now think about that. Jesus existed throughout eternity past as a spirit. God is a spirit. And he, he existed as spirit. He was the son of God throughout all eternity past, but he became a human son of God, the only human begotten of God as he formed that child inside of Mary. Now, each of you parents, father or mother, when that baby's born, so proud, so happy. And you see the hospital and you're so scared to death. And when you see the hospital bill. But you realize that blessing. That's what our Father felt. That's what our God the Father felt for Jesus Christ. Even though he'd been his son throughout eternity past. But in spirit. Now he's his son with a human body. And so. This is his love for her. It is such that that mercy that saved her saved every Old Testament believer. Now, when the Old Testament believers believed in him, they hadn't even seen Jesus yet. <laughs> we could see something that Moses and, and all those other guys had not yet witnessed. They had to accept it by faith. That is, God became a man. And we accept it by faith. But they accept it really by faith. He walked upon the face of this earth. And every person in the Old Testament who got saved got saved because they looked forward to the Lamb of God. As John the Baptist would say when he looked and saw Jesus coming, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. When you go, you ever think about that statement? Take away the sin of the world. And what happens? Jesus goes throughout and there's harlots, there's witches, there's murderers, other people getting saved under that ministry. He took away their sins. He took away, takes away our sins. So I was sharing this morning, when I think of what Paul wrote down of the words of Jesus Christ, of the Spirit of God giving him each word, I realized the great grace and mercy that we have from God. He says, the good that I would do, I end up not doing it. The bad things I wouldn't do, I end up doing it. Oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> but then, he says, in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Serve God. Oh, Paul was a murderer. He persecuted the church. And God saved his miserable soul. And again, there's not one person 
here this morning or beyond my, uh, beyond this building that is alive on the face of this earth today that is beyond the saving mercy and power of God. Listen to Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Hey, you don't earn it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration. <laughs> regeneration to give life. What does it give life to? A spirit that is dead. Now, you were born with a dead spirit whether you realize it or not. All of us were. Because the word death means separation. When you're born into this world, your spirit is already separated from God. It needs a Savior the moment your, your spirit is born. Your, your, you're born. You need a Savior. And so... That life giving by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. In other words, you're given eternal life to that spirit. Now, understand, in, there's a sense in which you have eternal life, when we think of the word life, when you're born, in that your spirit will never pass away. Your spirit will either spend eternity in hell or spend eternity in heaven. But in the realms of God's dictionary, death is being separated from God. And if you die without Christ, you'll be separated from God forever in a lake of fire where you'll be in the confines of a body that will feel the pain that a body today would feel if it was in fire. It'll be under the, the torture and the torment that a spirit, soul, and body would be in today if they were under the same torments. Now, we've heard of how the Jews were placed in those concentration camps. Terrible. Terrible. I've seen the actual pictures of where my dad went in World War II, and one of the first ones there, and President Eisenhower was General Eisenhower at the time, had told them to use those cameras and take pictures so in case somebody tries to deny there's a holocaust. And so we've got the pictures. We've seen those bodies stacked like cordon wood. We've seen them hanging on meat hooks. It happened. Even if they try to deny it, it happened. We know of communist lands, socialistic other words. Okay, communism, socialism is the birth of the child of communism. That's what it is. Multitudes put to death for their faith in Christ Jesus. I remember reading the story of Sergei Kordikov, who was an officer for the KGB in Russia. As they're 
underground people would find out where a church was meeting. They'd go in there and they'd break it up. They'd beat those people, do all kinds of things to them. He talked about the time he was told about a baptism, was taken out, placed out in the country. Went out there, sure enough, caught them there, held the preachers down underneath the water till he drowned, was dead. And then he and his comrades laughed as the body floated down the river. But to show you the power of God, Sergei Kordikov got saved. And he too one day would die by an assassin. We read of the tortures of Christians throughout church history. Those things happen. They happen. They happen and they happen again. And my friend, it happened to my Lord and Savior. They were trying to torture him. But the regenerating by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of life by the Holy Spirit brought back to the God to have eternal life. The washing. How am I washed? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide from the hymn. We always sing that other song too that I love. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all, not most, not some, all their guilty stains. Jesus took it all for us. Now, you think you're here today and you're so bad that you can't be saved? You are wrong and the devil has you convinced of that. It's not God, because God says he's greater. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. By His mercy, not that we deserve it, but mercy allows us to get saved. Now, when I look at that, we see this. Mary received salvation. Then from that point, God took over the formation of the body of Jesus in her. Now, she was saved before the Holy Ghost come upon her to put that within her. But when the Holy Ghost come upon her, she was saved, but then the Father took over. Not normally what we'd think of as, as uh, just a formation over the time. He guided every, every, every step of the way. You say, well, why would he do that? So the baby would be that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. She guided it every bit there she thought, but not really. It was God the Father forming that child within her. Something that Mary nor Joseph could do it's what God did. Now you understand 
Jesus was fully, completely aware of all of this. And therefore, verses 9 and 10 here of Psalm 22. This is Jesus on the cross. A thousand years before he actually came, it, this was described in very minute detail. And so we see this going on in the mind of Christ. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Father, you took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. This holy child. He would go out. They wanted to kill him. Herod wanted him to, to be put to death. They missed that. They wanted to cast him off a hillside. They lost out. Every time they tried to kill him, he'd pass through the midst of them and be fine. When he would under great temptation in the wilderness, the father who drew him out, the father who was his very God from the womb in his humanity, already his father spiritually, for God is a spirit. And so when Satan is giving his full power to tempt Jesus. The Father's there and angels meet his need. In Gethsemane, as he's on his knee there and drops of blood, sweat that's so thick it looks like blood. And he's praying there, his disciples, he's already told them, he became very heavy with them said, What's going to happen? Pray. And they're so tired they couldn't even pray. They just went to sleep. But Jesus is out there. Angels attend to him again. But on the cross, there's no help for Jesus. On the cross, there's no help for Jesus from the Father. None whatever. Why? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despise that shame, hanging naked on a cross. A Christian, how can we not serve him that would love us this way? And even to this day, 1 John 1, 7 tells us that 
His blood cleanses us. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can come to me and tell me your sins, but that won't do you any good. Take it to Jesus. So I ask, are you sure if you died today that heaven's your home? If not, today you can be sure. Not because I told you so, but because the Bible tells us so. And we can open the Bible and show you how you can know. That's a Christian, I want you to think of this. If you were to die today, suddenly appearing in heaven, family members that are there, Friends that are there, but especially Jesus in his glorified body now. Would he be ashamed and would your family be ashamed of your life? What about those that have died? Has your life been what they'd be ashamed of since their death? then why don't we, since the Lord allows us to stay here, go up there with a clean slate? Things made right with God, things made right with people, things made right in our life. But whatever it is, let's take care of it now, will you? Let's bow our heads, please.